Digital is the future, and we are that future. We are. Come on. We are. Touch HD. Well, hi, everybody. It's Kerry, and it's a toast with Kerry, and I wondered how all of you are. We're into the fourth week of lockdown. It's a horror for anybody by any stretch of the imagination, and I cannot... I can't even relate to those people who are thinking that it's brilliant. It's not. I want to get back to work. I want to get back to normal. I want to come and talk to you every single week. I'm hating my life at the moment. But we have to make the best of what we have to make the best of. I hope you're all well and safe. And today I thought I'd catch up with Wayne Buckley, who is the National Sales and Marketing Manager for Wildecrans Wine Farm. Um, And we thought that we'd chat about all things lockdown, all things COVID and all things Wildecrans. Um, with particular emphasis, of course, on the wine industry and the liquor industry, all of whom we are trying very hard to access under this lockdown. If you're anything like me and Wayne, um, at the end of the day, you really do feel like a glass of wine or a whiskey or a gin and tonic or something. But anyway, enough of that. Wayne, welcome to Touch. Hi. Thanks very much, Carrie. Great to be here. Mm. It's actually quite nice to see or to hear a different voice. I don't know about you, but same old, same old, same four walls, same people that you share your house with, same old, same old. How are you doing in lockdown, Wayne? Um, surviving, I suppose. Um, you've just got to make the best of the situation. Um, mm. And being able to um, at least uh, have a little bit of wine stocks at home is keep <laughs> <get> some sanity. <laughs> well, if you're anything like me, I've had a million telephone calls from friends, customers, neighbours, even enemies saying, Kerry, I'm really sorry I was horrible to you last month, <laughs> but have you got a bottle of wine for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the, the phone calls have been coming in thick and fast and you could definitely hear that people are very, very desperate to get back onto their wine again. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people didn't stock up adequately beforehand. Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't really think that this um, prohibition status was going to last for as long as it has. Yeah. I think it's one of three countries in the whole world where there's been a complete lockdown on the sale of alcohol. And whilst I'm firmly sort of behind the government and everything that they're saying, we do know that alcohol incites bad behaviour. I'm not entirely sure, though. I don't know which side of the fence I fall on. I know which side I should fall on because my livelihood comes, as does yours, Mm. from the sale of alcohol. I'm not entirely sure how fair it is to penalise an entire nation for a percentage who don't know how to behave themselves. What are your feelings on that? Look, it's a bit of a catch-22, and I understand where the government's come with you know their decisions um Mm. obviously domestic violence does increase and that's been proven before um Mm. but on the flip side of the coin you've also got to take in consideration the amount of people employed in the wine industry Mm. so there's around about three hundred thousand people employed currently um i think i'm correct in saying sorry for interrupting but i think i'm correct in saying that the wine sector is the single biggest employer in the agricultural sector of the country that that is correct yes Mm. Uh, currently, we have um, plus minus about 40,000 farm workers alone who have dependents to um, and without revenue coming in uh, mm. from alcohol sales or wine sales, um, it makes things very, very tough for us. Well, you times 40,000 employees who stand to, is that who stand to lose their job? Well, potentially. Or who have or, lost their job? Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of them that are still employed. Um, but, you know, you hear throughout the industry that there's there's a bit of a bloodbath going on. because, And there's a lot of no work, no pay. So whilst you might still have your job, you might not necessarily be getting money because the farmer can't afford to pay you. Yeah, 
So, you know, and then dealing with, with uh, the UIF, you know, is, is also oh, quite a, a bit of a story too. A so, so um, it's stressful times for everyone in the industry. Yeah. If you times 40,000 employees and take on, on balance that each employee on, on a conservative scale is probably supporting another four people. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's 1.6 million people. Um, who are going to be, or is it 160? 160. Have I got an extra note here? You've got an extra, yeah. Mm. 160,000 people with no food on their table. That's correct. It's a bit scary. It is scary. As far as the, um, as far as the export market is concerned, there was some terrible confusion surrounding that. One day the government announced that you could export. The next week it was announced that you couldn't export. What's the status on wine exports out of South Africa at the moment? So we'll wait and see what, you know, with the levels that they have now introduced, it, there's there's talk that we might be able to export. But whether that's true or not, it's fake news because there's lots of fake news floating around at the moment. You just don't know what to believe. You don't really, know. Do you? you don't know. You know. I've get, made myself a rule now. Unless it comes out of a government minister's mouth, I don't actually take yeah. any cognizance. Yeah. Because there's, there's tons of things on WhatsApp, but then it gets everyone excited in the wine industry and we all get ex- sort of mm. think it's it's back to normal and then disappointment. Mm. So in terms of the exports, we've, you know, we've got probably four pending exports, um, which which are sitting waiting. Um, and, and with just out of interest, they're sitting waiting. When they get to their destination, are they going to be allowed in? Are the rest of the countries of the world, have they opened up their ports to exports? Well, they're, they're, I mean, from, imports? It seems fine. Europe, I know, is fine. Um, mm. You know, but the, the, the biggest issue that, on the flip side of that is now, while they're waiting for these ports to reopen, what's happening to, to the lack of stock on the shelves? Yeah. It, it, it means that we get delisted. Yes. You know, in certain, certain, That's a big problem. It's a huge problem. So if you know if you can't supply stock, they look they'll look to Argentina or they'll look to the people who are exporting. Yeah, you know someone else that can supply, and that is going to have a knock-on effect on on our trading going forward. I think I mean, we mm. it's like pushing the reset button on on a lot of your export clients. Yes, of course, and you've all worked so hard to find a place yep. in that export market world. It's not an easy. It's a very no. big sort of play f- playing field just to fight in. Not easy at all because you know mm. you spend years and years building these relationships. Mm. So we'll have to wait and see what the reaction is to the markets. Um, we have had a lot of interest from from guys overseas looking for wine. Yes. Um, and it's it's unfortunate that you know when you've got that opportunity at that moment to you can't just say yes. You can't say yes, and I can't give them a definite time as to when you know we can get the stocks up. I don't understand. I fully. I don't fully understand the government's reasoning behind stopping exports. I do sort of understand um, the pre- the prohibiting of sale of, of booze in locally, but exports, I really am at a loss. We need to get some kind of clarity from government somewhere on the thought process behind stopping exports. It's one little facet of the industry that might actually help to save the industry or keep it afloat as best it possibly can during this difficult trading time. Yep, definitely. Mm. So that's the other thing. The next thing is... Bit of a bit of a sort of a tricky question. What's your personal feeling on the lifting of the ban on alcohol? Timing and how do you think it's going to happen? Um, after watching last night's presentation by the president, it's 
it, you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult to read between the lines. Hmm. And we'll see what they say tomorrow when the ministers give their address. At, I think it's 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Yeah, they cancelled it for today for some reason. Yeah, so I think they're still busy preparing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, hopefully it does come open soon. But I think what government will probably do, and I think it's a good idea, we, well, we're hoping they're going to do this, is release the ban in sort of stages and at least allow trading hours between a certain period of time during yeah. the day. Yeah. You know, and then obviously limiting social interactions in places, you know, where, where too many people would gather, you know, bars and stuff like that, and do that as a next step there afterwards. Well, I'm rather hoping from our perspective that we are going to be allowed to deliver online orders. So we at Norman Goodfellows are busy putting together, because you'd be absolutely surprised at how many people continue to order online knowing that we can't deliver. So we've got thousands of orders that have been pulled in the, in the shop at this stage of the game and waiting for the ban to be lifted so that we can deliver them. Um, and I hope that that will be probably the first step towards retail, retailing liquor again, that we can do online, like, much like Uber Eats is going to yeah. come back online, all those sort of um, delivery services. Because the biggest problem, of course, like we have the same as the restaurants. If we open the doors of our shop, we've got 50 staff members in one shop. That's already too many people. Mm. So we're going to have to work on, on skeleton staff and we're going to have to let one or two people in at a time, which is, it's a help, but it's certainly not going to boost trade enormously. So we're going to have to rely on online sales and deliveries, I think, to boost our sales. Definitely. I think on, on that I think the wine industry is in for, for, and it's quite a cliche to use these days, the new normal, yeah. as, they, as they like to call it. Mm. Um, and I think people's buying patterns are going to change. Do you? Like yeah, how? I think because that was my next question to you. Yeah, I think you're a bit of a trendsetter. Tell me what you think. Well, you know, I, it depends how long COVID nineteen lasts. But a lot of people are going to be less inclined to jump in their car and go into. You know, a um, a store or something. Anywhere. Yeah, Anywhere. if they can get a delivery. They get delivered because people are very, very aware of the, the risks of COVID-19. Um, so I think people focusing on doing home deliveries is the way to go. Um, you know, for us, that's nothing new. And for me, it's so funny to watch how this, this, this wheel turns. When I was a little girl, there was a Norman Goodfellows and there was a Thrups. And my mother and my granny used to phone in to both of them and place orders for delivery. So there's mm. nothing new yeah. for me. It's old-fashioned grocering. I think, That's what it is. Yeah, I think what people, I think they, they, they like that experience of touch and feel and looking and mm. browsing and stuff. But, you know, in these extraordinary times that we're living, it's not necessarily viable to be able to do jumping But now car. going to that, talking about trends and new trends of selling and what have you, I'm really excited because I'm a retailer at heart and I love spending time with my customers. And the customer base at Norman Goodfellows specifically has been built on exactly that. Solly speaks to all his customers, Charles, Jason, me, we all pick up the phone and we talk and engage with our customers. And I think that in the last sort of 10 to 15 years, that ha that that skill has disappeared to, to a large extent. So you, you aimlessly, blindly walk into pick and pay or checkers or spa or wherever it is that you've got alcohol, access to alcohol as well. You push your trolley through the aisles. You choose whatever you think. You don't speak to a single word about it, to a person. To uh, you don't speak a word to a single person, and you walk out again. I'm hoping that this is going to um, encourage that same 
discussion and discourse around wine and alcohol um, mm. uh, on the whole so that people are more excited about it. People do get to learn more about it. Somebody like you um, can engage with my customers on a much higher level saying, this is why you think you should be drinking Wildecrans, this is what we... So I'm really hoping that the new normal is going to inject some old-fashioned grocering skills. Yeah. I think in conjunction with that, what, what I've noticed is a lot of producers are um, doing these webinars. Mm. And I think they're really, really effective, actually. Do you? It, yeah, because, you, you know, I watch the interaction, on, especially on these Facebook webinars, mm. um, and you see the people's comments. People are really, really hungry for new things. Mm. And hearing it actually come from the producer's mouth mm. helps a lot because they get to understand the product. So I think that's a, it's a great time for us to be doing training, as you could say, on, yes. on new products and, and also introducing people to products that they necessarily didn't know were available well, from, that, from that estate. Yes. So, of course, the wine industry is of com a particular concern to, to us, but I'm also more concer equally concerned about the spirits and the beer industry. I mean, can you imagine the amount of little craft beer merchants and um, craft beer makers mm. who literally, they literally have not got any income coming in at this stage of the game. Same with some wine in some wine, some of the wine farms. Um, the big companies like Diageo and Pernod Ricard and what have you for the spirits are feeling a massive knock um, in sales. But they've also got huge international backing from around the world to help them through this thing. Our own homegrown industry of um, craft gin, craft vodka, craft whiskey, craft beer, and then, of course, the wine industry Damage control, how many years do you think it's going to take to fix us? Depends how thirsty people come out of lockdown, I suppose. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, in, overall, I think it's going to take a while. Yeah, I think a good two years to try and yeah. get us back on our yeah. feet again. So we're going, to, we're going to have to start thinking of really clever ways to market ourselves and, and get the liquid to lips, as I'd like to say. Yeah. So it's going to require a lot of... Um, it's almost like hand-to-hand -hand combat marketing where you, mm. you're actually engaging directly with your clients... Um, yeah, I think the days of where, you know, maybe it's good that we've burst this bubble of this silly, I don't, I don't go with this influencer thing. You know, I don't. Mm. I just don't think the influencer, unless you've got Beyonce or <laughs> um, Katie Lang or somebody as your influencer, I honestly don't believe that it's going to make that much of a difference to your sales because I have not seen a big difference in sales but what i do think we should do is possibly the listenership of this podcast if you have any suggestions that you think may help um encourage the sale and the drinking of wine going forward and any innovations that you think might help the industry let's put it out there and let's see if anybody can come up with something that is exciting new innovative and not just being paid a monthly fee to be a supposed influencer. To be an influencer, you've got to have millions and millions of viewers, and that's the end of the story. Mm. So it's not an influencer. It's got to be innovative. It's got to be clever. It's got to be well-researched, and it's got to be clear, clearly thought out. But let's put it out there and see if anybody can come back to us with something fun. Who knows? Maybe there's a nice job in store for somebody to regenerate the whole wine industry yeah. if they come up with a good idea. Yeah, I think the getting... Uh, Sort of adapting to, to everything, as I said, and, and having new marketing strategies is something that while we've got the time now with this downtime, think we about have it. to be thinking about that. You're quite right. Absolutely. And 100. I, it's, it's, quite, it's quite concerning because half the time 
when I speak to a lot of my mates in the wine industry, they, they're so deflated. Mm. They're putting their hands in there. And I'm, I try to say to them, guys, now's the time. Let's start doing things. Let's yeah. think out the box. Yep. 100%. So whilst we're thinking out the box, and just before we say goodbye to Wayne, um, the other reason that I invited him to chat with us is because I am a big fan of Wildecrans Wine Estate. It was established in 2004. Um, it's a beautiful farm. It's sort of a mixture of rugged terrain together with mountains. And it's in the Botrafi Valley, which is just about, I think, what, 20, 30 minutes outside of Hermanus. Yeah. It's so pretty and it's renowned for good wine, superb olive oil, and really, really good restaurants as well, um, which sadly are not open at the moment. Yeah. But Wayne, if I was to say to you, when we come out of lockdown, <laughs> <laughs> give us a Wildecrans wine, which is a favorite, and a dish that you would prepare to go with that Wildecrans wine. Well, that's that's quite an easy one because I've already prepared my, my dinner for tonight. Ah, <laughs> so do tell, share, so, share. So um, our 2018 Chenin Blanc uh, was released recently. It's a, it's a wooded Chenin Blanc. And I thought to myself, what's going to work really, really well with this? Mm. And um, I managed to find some scallops. I hate you. Just for those of you who don't know Wayne Buckleycock, he is a superb chef as well. Not only is he a Mr. Wino, but he cooks like an absolute dream. So what are you doing with your scallops? So we're going to do, so we're going to pair it with a Chenin Blanc 2018. Um, the scallops we are going to do in garlic butter uh, with a little bit of lemon just to um, zest it up a bit. Just like a sear. And then, and then some, and then some fennel. Oh, <laughs> so what did I use fennel with the other day? I don't know about you, but I've been cooking up a storm. My kitchen hasn't been used this much in 35 years. Normally just a cup of coffee and a boiled egg. Yes. But I mean, we really, really we've are become, using that kitchen. We've all become chefs. <laughs> <laughs> so seared scallops and some Chenin Blanc yeah. and what else? And fennel. Hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's what's on for tonight. But um, in terms of other dishes... Something we, red? Yeah, so, you know, we... We're really, really well known for our, our penitoz. Yeah, that's it. Um, which is between that and the Cape Land wins tons and tons Everything. of awards. Yes. Yeah. You um, look at any Wildecrans bottle and it looks like a like a Christmas tree. It's got <laughs> thousands of gold baubles all over it. So, you know, we, we've been playing around with some game meat on, on that. Um, so, you know, trying some like a nice kudu with that penitoz really, really works well. Um, and we've quite enjoyed that. And, you know, even trying a few different things. I always say experiment with things. Red, red doesn't necessarily need to go with meat. No. You know, we can, we can fiddle around with all these things. Um, the other day, you know, we had some duck with some oh, Shiraz. And it was, it was sublime. Delicious. Absolutely sublime. We do like duck. I'm not huge on gamey meat. I had a granny, an English granny, who had very, very skinny ankles. And... <laughs> And she must have been about, she must have been about 70 or 80 when she died. And I was quite little. And I remember that Gran's ankles were sort of a bluey, purpley color. <laughs> and every time I see venison, it reminds me of Gran's ankles. I think you, you're thinking of ostrich. Meat there, <laughs> no, but all venison is that sort of purpley blue color. And it doesn't have enough fat on it. For me, I want a piece of sirloin steak yeah, that's sirloin. got a big strip of yellow fat across Beautiful. the top. Beautiful. And even if you don't eat the fat, it 
infuses its flavors into the meat. It's so delicious. Yeah. So make me something, Wayne. Make us something now with that Shiraz of yours, that barrel select Shiraz. Yeah. And something with a steak. What herbs and spices are we going to put with it? So we keep it quite simple, I'd say. You know, the, the best way, and, and having gone to France a few times, they do it. They, do, they get it right. Oh, they do. And it's basically salt and pepper and... and salt and pepper, big yellow fat strip. And and you're good to go. So I would just keep it simple. And, you know, instead of complicating the matters for, for our listeners, grab yourself a nice piece of sirloin. Yeah. Um, if you've got a, a bottle of, of our Pinotage or... Oh. Uh, sorry, our sh- our Shiraz in, in stock, pop it open and you're in for a treat. Yeah, big treat. A huge treat. Well, guys, that's sort of enough from us for today. So, so nice to be back chatting to you. Give us some interaction. Give us some marketing and sales, some some wildly different, interesting, doable marketing and sales ideas. If you were the king of the wine world, what would you be doing to kickstart your wine business come the end of lockdown? So from me and from Wayne. Thank you very much, Carrie. And from Lindor, who's my little guy who drives my bus. I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your lockdown. Let's just determined to make the best of it and i'll catch up with you next week hopefully we've got some more interesting things to tell you be safe be well and happy sipping if you've got anything left in your cellar digital is the future and we are that future we are touch hd